Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hi Emily, how are you doing? Good, thank you. And yourself? Really good. Well, really hungover. As we recorded, uh, England had just beaten Denmark and obviously it's coming home. So we had to celebrate that and uh, we did with gusto. And now I'm, I'm really feeling it today. This is the worst hangover I've probably I've had in a long, long time. But oh, um, are you okay? You recovered yeah, from the Yeah, game? very well. I didn't get too drunk last night. I, I uh, had a couple of glasses and then by that point I was too nervous to even think about <laughs> drinking. So I left it as that, which I'm really pleased about. But Sunday might be a bit different. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's get into it then. Um, you're, what, why did you want to become a nurse, I guess, for best place to start? Do you know it? what? I'm not too sure on that answer. I suppose it's just in me. I always it has to be in you to be a nurse we certainly don't do it for the money mm. um I just have always had that in me to to do care work or um a care in nature I suppose and I have always just wanted to be a nurse since I can remember um but it was the way I was going to go about it that um yeah was so the interesting bit I suppose typical typically what do you do you you study you go to is it nurse school is that is that yeah is that... it's a university um right. so i left school with average gcse's i was a straight kind of c student um and then i went on to college um and did a social care or a social studies um like course mm. um to then access to nursing really um but it, at that point something got in my way and the I just wanted to join the army, so I yeah. kind 
just looked at options of how I could do it while doing that. So you what you wanted to join the army like what drive I don't know really understand what drives anybody to want to join the army. I get there in young men if you're going sort of stereotypical you know that you play army don't you play guns you, you mm. do that sort of stuff but the reality of of what some people have to do and the lives that people in the army might have to live from a someone who doesn't really understand it seems so much more serious. So as how old was you then when you thought, right, I'm going to join the army? How old was you? Um, I suppose when I went to college, I was about 16. And then um, I just started the ball rolling, really. Um, I just decided. But it started while I was at secondary school. And one of my design technology teachers said, um, Emily, I'm sending you on something called a look at life course. And right. he picked me out of the whole year. And I was like, why are you sending me? And he was just like, I just think you would be really good for it. So it's a five day course. It was like in the local area. You'll be shown like what it's like to be a soldier. You'll go out on exercise and you'll do different things. And then um, you can pick a friend and we did and we went and we did like all the exercise and we, I think we stayed out at night in a, what we call a bivy or a tent that we'd made and had to eat and cook our own dinner and things. And I just loved it. Mm. I loved the concept of it. I loved, um, uh, yeah, I don't know why I can't answer why, but I just, it was forever in my head. So at 15 and also my, um, granddad was in the army and my mum traveled, she was born in Germany and I had that kind of, um, he was really proud and I just had that background. Um, but that was it. There was nothing else. It was just that. And as soon, as soon as I got it in my head that I wanted it yesterday and I was going to do everything in my power to get in really as soon as I could. So I was like seven, yeah, 17 then. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I went to the careers office and started doing all my, you have to do lots of tests and things. And then it got to the point where I was I was accepted to go in, but because I was only 17, my mum and dad had to sign me in. So I went to my mum and said, oh, that, that oh, this is what I want to do. And um, she was like, I can't do it. I can't sign you into the army. That's like the crazy, <laughs> I'm signing you away. I was going to ask, then, I was going to ask, yeah. yeah. How did they, when you decided at 17 that you was uh, going to join the army, what... Yeah, what did your mum say? She's like, I can't sign you off and send you up. What, what did yeah, you... she was really like, she, although she knew it was probably the best thing for me, um, <laughs> not that I was wayward, or anything, um, but I was kind of, I was a bit old before my years. I really wanted to um, just go and I was just ready to go and fly the nest. And then my dad managed to persuade her and said, she is so untidy. They literally will have her for a couple of weeks and then they'll <laughs> want to get rid of her. So like, let's just do it. And if we don't, she'll, you know, she's only going to do it in six months when she's 18. So, um, yeah, yeah, they did. And they took me to Litchfield where I did my basic training. Um, just trying to think of the years. It must've been 2004. I think it was 2004. Yeah. That mm. I, um, I got dropped off at Litchfield and um, with my suitcase and marched into the camp. At seventeen, that's like you're, yeah. you're about as young as you possibly can be. You're yeah. also female, which I, don't, I yeah. can't imagine. The so you went when you said you went basic training. Is this the the first thing that everybody does when they go into the army? Yeah, so you have to do twelve weeks basic training, and that's to make you a soldier. Basically, it's nothing to do with whatever path you decided to do. Like I joined. <laughs> 
Um, and I, Litchfield was home to the signals and the engineers and there was no QAs. So when I talk about QAs, that's the nursing corps. And yeah. um, there was there was none. It was just, I think it was five of us that, that got put into Litchfield to train with the engineers and the signals. And um, yeah, we just do your 12 weeks basic training to make you a soldier. What's, uh, just quickly, what's a signal? Signals are, the signal regiment are like, they do all the radios and things oh, okay. um, and telecoms, I think. And then engineers do all like the building and, um, you know, like if you go on exercise, they'll build a bridge. So yeah. you need a bridge, they'll build it kind of thing. Wow. So, um, yeah. so, and you was one of, well, how many girls were in, in this induction and, and, and what was the sort of aimed range of the, the, the people? Yeah, who were... so there was five girls, so five QAs that rocked up at um, Litchfield and I remember one um, one girl was from I think she was from like the Caribbean islands mm-hmm. um, one was younger than me maybe like 17, 16 and a half 17 right. and another one was Irish and I can't I think the other one didn't last basic training, she kind of went um <sighs> She didn't do the whole lot, so yeah, that's. And then the what? rest were pretty much all, um, all boys or, or some girls. You get girls in the signals. Mm. So. Um. So what? What? Did, what's basic training entail? Is it? Is it just? Is it what you think? You know, bag, bags marching across rough terrain. Is it holding a gun correctly? What? What is it? Marching. Yeah. So it's everything that you've just said. Really, it's um. I think the first few weeks it's the basic things of um, getting your kit packed and knowing how to use it. You get a weapon, an SA-80 um, is what we got when I was in pretty much straight away. But is it's it... obviously kept in the kept in the armoury. Yeah. You go and sign it out and things and you go on the range to do weapon training. Um, and are you carrying this gun around and it's live? It's uh, loaded, sorry. Um, so only when you're on the range when um you can't you don't get a magazine or anything in Mm. until you're on the range um and then you get given your rounds um to put in the magazine and then you'll you'll get like 10 rounds to shoot in different positions at different um lengths so you might do at 25 meters 100 meters so yeah only when you're on the range but the rest of the time put him you're any good at shooting um well, this, yeah, it's a quite funny, actually. So I wasn't great at shooting and no one could work out why. And it turns out that I um, can't close my left eye as well as keeping my right eye open. This stems from childhood. I remember my brothers were like, why? You know, when you, back in the day when you looked through a camera to take a photo, yeah, I could never do it. So it stems from that. So in the end, they had to give me an eye patch, which was so embarrassing um, because I had to put that on every time. <laughs> I went to the range, but I, yeah, once I had that on, I was really good at, well, I was quite good at shooting anyway, so I wouldn't say amazing, but, you know, I managed to get the target. So any everybody, regardless of what their role is in the army, they need basic training and you need to pass that yeah. in order to get on to do what you want to do. Yeah, definitely. So I um, did a few weeks and then I got back trooped, so I became injured with um uh, what they call shin splints, which yep. is quite a common thing in the army. So um, quite painful I was really well. fortunate. Pardon? Quite painful. 
Yeah, but I was really fortunate. I've got really high insteps. And um, so they fought for me, really, the physios, to get boots made for me because that's the cause of um, why I was getting them. So I I just waited in um, like a troop for injured um, recruits while my boots got made. So as soon as my boots got made, I went back into training. Well, can you, well, I, could you have been removed from that? Injury. Yeah, yeah, you could be um, medically discharged and then that would be your kind of army life over. Really? Yeah, well, you Lo- yeah come... that happened to loads of people. You couldn't come back? Not off. really, no. I don't, it would be really difficult if you, well, once you're medically discharged, it, yeah, that reason. It, I'm not, I don't know of anyone that's gone back yeah. after what, what... being medically discharged. So why did they do that for you and not for other people? Mm. May I'm not yeah maybe because they could see that I genuinely I couldn't do anything about the high arches and yeah. they were just like yeah let's um let's give it a go I mean they weren't really expensive for to have them made but yeah it was definitely a novelty not many people got them got boots made for them so, so I was you, really fortunate so you've done um you've done your 12 weeks you passed yeah, you got over yeah. this injury and then you then what what happens next what how, how did you start training to become a nurse where did you do that and for how long yeah so i um you get posted so once you finish basic training you get posted to your different um regiments but because i needed to do some training so i because i was only 17 i wasn't able to um go ahead and do my nurse training i was talked into becoming a healthcare assistant which is the um a nursing assistant basically but you Mm. have to do training for it it's not as intense as nurse training there's no real um exams or anything you undertake an mvq um but it was my road to getting onto nursing really Mm. and with being so young they recommended that i did it um for experience and i'm really pleased that I did because um, it won't set me in in good stead for my nurse training for sure. But I went to um, Gosport in Port near Portsmouth. Yeah. So that was I think I was just eighteen. Yeah, I had. So I think I had my eighteenth birthday in April, and I was in Gosport by the August. So you living in barracks while you study? What what is it? Or you just at home? No, you're in barracks, so you are in uh, rooms, basically. Um, what do you share with are... other people? Or... Um, so, yeah, I did in, I did when I was in Gosport. I think there was two or three of us in a room in Gosport. You normally get a wardrobe, a sink sometimes in your room, and then you share your um, showers and bathroom with, like, a whole corridor, a whole, yeah, different um, other students or soldiers. Like a, um, like a that hospital main... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then you have a cook house, and so you they make all your food for you, and you just it's like a buffet kind of hot buffet that you just go and pick what you want, get fed three times a day. When, um, um... But yeah, that's basically what. And and we weren't there long. We were only there for about six weeks in Gosport, oh, okay. and then from Gosport we then get posted. So I got posted to Frimley Park Hospital in um, Surrey. I think it comes under Surrey um, or Hampshire, actually. And mm. um, I was there. So you, we then, we, we, back in the day, we used to have loads of military hospitals. 
but they all got they were too expensive to keep basically um so we just so the government or the armed force decided to do um ministry of defense hospital unit so we'd have like a um an office within a hospital that was all military so you'd have military clerks military bosses and then on the wards you'd work with civilian nurses civilian doctors but also um, army doctors army nurses so we'd all mix and we'd have a mix of civilian patients and um, army navy or ref patients these would have been people that have been injured abroad or in exercise no it... just um general so i was on the orthopedic ward so if someone needed they'd fractured their leg or mm. um they'd I don't know something like that um if they were a soldier they'd come on to our ward if they were a civilian they'd come on to our ward yeah. what is is the training that you get if you're in the armed forces as a nurse different to what you'd get in a normal hospital or, or university when you where you would study typical nursing and the reason why I ask that is because what you're likely to be confronted with moving forward as you go into the army is the different challenge to what you might see in an A&E, although perhaps not, I don't know if yes. that's correct state. So I'd say, because I joined as a healthcare assistant, my training was probably a bit more in-depth, like we were made to do MVQs. If you joined as a healthcare assistant in a hospital, you wouldn't necessarily be, it would be on-the-job kind of training. Um, nurse training, though, is, um, no, it's exactly the same as civilian training. Um, you still have to upkeep your soldier um duty so you still have to go and do the range once a year and shooting or um you'd have to go and do um like an uh, assault course and things like that so mm. um alongside your nurse training but then um yeah it's, it's that you have to do the degree the same as what a civilian nurse would do the but difference I, would be yeah, sorry, is exercise so you would then um once you're trained you'd then if you were being deployed or not even if you were being deployed even just as an exercise you would go to um a, like a tent uh, they do like they build it and then you'd go and practice so you'd have uh, people that were uh, actors playing casualties so you'd have people who were paraplegics or um they'd had amputated legs and they pretend to be soldiers mm. or, so actors um, actors yeah actors that so that's what i guess got. i'm asking yeah is, is like how yeah. did they prepare you for what you might go on to see should you be deployed in a, a war zone or where you were eventually yeah. deployed in afghanistan what what, what did they do yeah. to prepare you for that so before I went to Afghanistan, I was um, we went to North Allerton in Yorkshire and did a pre-deployment training. So it was like a purpose-built. I can't. I think it was in a tent actually. Hmm. So they built um, it because Afghanistan was becoming. Um, I was quite early in Afghanistan, but because we'd already had people out there, that was basically where everybody went who was doing their training or going getting deployed to Afghanistan. Um, they went to North Allerton first. They'd go, to, yeah, to North Allerton or diff other different. Um, yeah. There was a lot, quite a few around the country, and that that's where the actors would go. They would um, give scenarios of maybe what's already happened, but what we would do, how we would, um, like, what we would do in that situation, basically. And um, they would assess. You'd get assessed, so people um, would be assessing you. It was, yeah, it was. Even um, though it was, we knew it was kind of. Um, actors and 
role play. Yeah. It felt, yeah, intense real. and quite real. Yeah. Um, so you would go into a tent, they'd muck it up to make it look like the medical tents that would be yeah. in Afghanistan so that everything mm. is as real as possible. Yeah, pretty I guess. much. And, yeah. and would they use, for the wounds that you were tending, like you said, like, um, what did you say? Uh, legs? Yes, amputees. Amputees. Um, people who have already got amputated legs or arms, they mm. then kind of, you know, put fake blood on there and pretend, like they would just pretend that, that their legs blown, been blown off and what would we do? So they would, they would make, use makeup and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Actually, well, just this just popped into my head, and it's something I've never. No one in my family knows the answer to. But my great uncle, um, Uncle Bill, he yeah. um, he was on. He was in the Normandy landings, and he uh, was a uh, shell came over and exploded, and the shrapnel went through his leg and into his leg, and yeah. <clears throat> um, eventually he would have. He would have been. We don't know at what point his leg was amputated, or was it? Did it happen? They, they would they have. If you, if, if I guess what I'm asking is if you, if you're confronted with, what would your process be if you, you, you approach someone like my uncle Bill? Who'd yeah. Had this... So the process would be. A t so we all get issued. Um, not so much us, but if you're a medic that was going out with the kinds of um, infantry or the battalions yeah. out on the front line, you'd get issued a tourniquet, um, which you if you knew like obviously someone's got a legs kind of been blown off and yeah. then basically you cut that blood supply off to um below knee or above knee wherever you can do it and um either they can save it when they get to uh, it depends how quickly they get them to hospital but if they can't then you've saved that person because you've put the tourniquet on mm. um and it's only their leg that um cool. you haven't saved but you know, that's that's probably the least of someone's problems when they've yeah been such gone a bad through way. that. He's yeah. he's he's was amputated. He basically had no leg. He had he had um, it was really high up. I remember it because yeah. we used to knock on the prosthetic when we were kids. He'd go, come, come and check this out. It was like yeah, a, not really appreciating how horrific <laughs> a thing he went through. But um, yeah. yeah, it was uh, it was quite up. Um, so you're 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 in this tent and you're going through this process and what mm -hmm. are they are they training you on the most likely things that you'll have to uh, treat like would it be gunshot yeah. wounds would it be like you said like a damage from explosions burns mm -hmm. that kind of thing definitely I'd say they were training us on worst case scenarios yeah like they're not they're not scare you that, say that again did not scare you it scares me and I, I'm you know. I won't yeah, ever have to... like, yeah, it scared me now at 35 that I had no fear at 17, really. You know, mm. I just didn't, I didn't, it didn't grasp. Even now I look back and I think, oh my God, then the things like, we, I did all that. And it sometimes doesn't feel that, because it's so quite a long time ago, it feels like a completely different life. But yeah. Yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't think I did feel fear. I don't remember it. I, in fact, I only ever felt like pride and excitement and um yeah I was I would that's what I was trained to do I wanted to go out and do it you'd see all your friends get posted and you'd be like oh I, you know Iraq had just happened and I never got posted to Iraq so I was always a bit like oh so you, you wanted know, to you yeah wanted, you'd be like desperate to go definitely definitely wow. there was absolutely 
you know, you did get a sense of like, why aren't I going? You know, I didn't have a family then. I didn't have, you know, that kind of lifestyle. I was on my own. I was living away from home. And that's what I joined. I don't know, joined to do, that's, I suppose. Yeah, that's, that's mad. Um, that, do you know how mad that sounds? From it my, does, but to listen it to. does sound mad. <laughs> <laughs> does send me to Iraq send me to Afghanistan um you spent four years no so it was three years that when it training before you was mm. uh eventually deployed I've got that wrong uh yes yeah, so I was mm, I was 2004 I think it was 2006 I we went to on Herrick 5 so in yeah 2006 the October 2006 to the April 2007 and then but in that time I was just working I was working on the wards and doing like a soldier kind of duties and things but pretty much just working as a normal healthcare assistant nurse in the NHS um and then so at that point the war's quite far away I guess isn't it it's still you know it's happening but for your your Mm. mum and your dad and you're, you know, you're well in there by now. And they must have been concerned of, uh, that you would eventually get deployed to Afghanistan. Was it inevitable that you was going to go there or? Yeah, know, definitely it, either Iraq or Afghanistan. Because they were both going on at the same time. It's what I was in the in the army. And they were both um, quite, well, Afghanistan certainly was just kind of starting. By um, the time I joined. Yeah. And so what was their reaction when, like, you was excited, as you said, but what was your mum and dad's yeah. reaction when you said, right, I'm going to Afghanistan? I don't really remember, if I'm honest, because I lived away. So I, by this point, I was living in Aldershot and I kind of got my own life in the sense that I, I wasn't one that went home every other weekend. Because we worked in the NHS, I had to do loads of shift work and mm. um, and so I just my life was really very much like my my soldier friends and being an older shot. So I think they were quite used to me being away and that it wasn't a yeah they weren't. But, I don't uh, know. It's if really you was hard to guess. To... Yeah, I mean, how would your mum have been worried about your safety? Do you think? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. They were definitely um, but worried. Of course they were. But I think for them, knowing that I was um, not going to go out on the front line, I was within Camp Bastion and I pretty much stayed there. I didn't, there was a couple of times we went out, but only to do the range, not any kind of um, tasks or anything like that. It was literally just in Camp Bastion. So I think they would have probably felt a bit different if I was having to drive through Afghanistan and things, but. I didn't. What's, I was what, pretty... How would you st- like Camp Bastion? Um, is essentially a camp, but in the desert. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it looks pretty grim. I'm just looking at pictures. Like the views are not that nice. <laughs> no, it's very sandy. And sandy. Was, yeah. was it hot? I bet. And uh, yeah, what... it wasn't actually. When we got no. there in October, it was quite hot still. But then by Christmas, New Year. It went. It could get really cold and um, windy, and didn't get loads of rain. But when you did, it was horrendous, like rain. And I remember th- the thunderstorms, but or the thunder was like epic. It was like you'd never seen before. Um, but then, come kind of February, it was boiling hot again, like 
yeah very hot is there is there things that the public know like when when they think about afghanistan and the way it was reported that you just think is incorrect like you know there, there was an idea that at a time you know when the tabloids were just full of sort of soldiers bullying and Mm. mistreating and that obviously you, you're going to hear about that stuff and it's actually I think the, the stuff in the mirror was actually proven to be fabricated anyway but yeah. is there, are there things that, that are frustrating for somebody who's been in the army to hear here or is that is, you know or, or, or yeah know. of course definitely because you know there was so much good I'd say that we were doing out there but yeah it was when you I suppose because we saw the soldiers they you know they'd be in really awful conditions in like outposts um like Lashkagar and Sangin and, and where the real intense fighting was happening and they you know they'd come back and you could just see it was the you know morale was low um because they you know they weren't getting anything out there you know for me I was in a big camp which was quite established mm. um but you know they weren't get they weren't even getting mail at times you couldn't speak to people we didn't have mobile phones um there was nothing like that facebook i don't even think i think facebook had just kind of started and, and huge for like communication it? but mm. it was it was really limited and yeah it was just intense intense fighting all the time for them that um, you, yeah. selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. I think they would were. You, what, what terms, would, it, would it be mental health? That... Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That was probably the biggest um, for them, for sure. What, how, and how, as a nurse, would you help? How could you help them with that? What What would the process um, be? And what, and what And what was you doing if you was helping them with um, mental health? But what What was you What was you doing? What was your day to day like in in Camp Bastion? So day to day, it was basically we would um, 
do shift patterns so we'd do like a late early night and then you'd get a day off I say day off you don't always get it but that was like your sleeping kind of day and it was very much um so we we had two wards and then um one we tried to keep as like surgical one medical and but it never kind of worked like that it was always a bit of a mix of everything um, was it was it some... because it's impossible to plan for or why, why um it? yeah it i would say from what i remember it was just quite difficult with what we got sometimes um we'd get taliban on the ward we'd get um soldiers we'd have so you had to be careful because you wouldn't want a soldier on the ward at the same time as you'd have taliban um so that all had to be quick but then they need needed to be um you know sorted and it all had to be really well thought out but you can't always think about things when you're getting two or three casualties at the time and they're going yeah. to theater don't know how long they're going to be on the war before they can get casivacked out into like kandahar or back to birmingham yeah it was logistics wise it was quite difficult to um get everybody we had loads of kids um that would come in um what you the know civilians. you were caught up yeah in in fighting um we had a range of everything women Just... so then we had to be careful because obviously afghan women can't share a ward with afghan men or any man so if yeah. we have men so it's just getting it completely right and everyone obviously safety um for not only us but for them making sure there was enough staff to so you just mentioned um, Taliban, which is of, of course the, uh, the people you're fighting, the regime. Um, mm. So you would have to treat uh, soldiers that were effectively trying to kill British yeah. and American soldiers. Yeah, yeah. What what did you? How did you find that? Um, yeah. So again, I think being so young, because I was twenty when I got sent to Afghan being so young i think and uh, yeah we had to there was no it wasn't and because i was in the army we did what we're told that Mm. that is essentially like what happens someone tells you what to do and you have to carry it out and if you don't then there's consequences so for us it was just something we had to do there would always be if any suspected so they were always suspected taliban we didn't ever obviously know um, but they would always be guarded, um, so we'd always have a marine or a soldier on the ward guarding them. Guarding them from um, who? So for so, our safety, yeah. Really. So in and, case they they would have t- they they wanted to do something, yeah, or, or soldiers wanted to get to them, could that be? Yeah, I'd say that's the other thing as well. Because then once they came to us, they were obviously coming to us to. Um, stabilize or or whatever we needed to do and then they'd get questioned so i don't really know where they'd go from there um but then that's where they'd get questioned um what did you ever um was there any moments where you thought that was a lot i've had to process there or or a day you just thought you walked away from going what what am i doing yeah so i my um what, at the time, I'd say, no, I, I didn't. I just got on with it and I did what I had to do. Yeah, there was days that I missed being, um, I know I was 20, I loved going out, I loved partying, I had great friends and I missed all that. But um, 
the only time that I felt really threatened in any way there was a couple of times but um the biggest one was um we had two Afghan nationals on the ward and we um were looking after them and our, and the toilets were like a uh, you know them posh ones. You know the posh ones you get when you go to racing or something. And yeah, they're, yeah. They're not quite portaloos. They're a bit posher, but they yeah, were no, our toilets. And um, but we all kind of used. Did I think there was a male and a female? So the male would you be used by patient staff, and then the female would be used by staff and and <coughs> patients. Mm. And um, one of the consultants. Um, or senior members went to the toilet and they had to carry a pistol. So they had like a, a waistband um, carrier yeah. and they carried pistol. I don't, I can't think why he had the pistol on him. Cause we weren't, we didn't, obviously when we we're working, we didn't have our weapons with us. They were in an armory, but um, he took the, the, the kind of um, holder. He must've taken it off to go to the toilet and forgot to put it, back on oh my god so the next person to use the toilet was an afghan national and um he picked it up and put it under his pillow but we oh. didn't know so the only reason we knew is because we had interpreters on the ward who would come and help us interpret everything and he heard them talk amongst themselves to say that they had this under their pillow and managed to let us know and then it all got sorted there was absolutely no problem but when i look back i think that could have been so different like that he yeah. they could have you know done anything and yeah so they're like things like that i look back and think oh god that could have been so different um uh but apart from that n not really there was never like obviously the casualties that came in were heartbreaking at times and yeah so what you know, was you having been confronted with what what did you when you um, say heartbreaking what what yeah a lot of it was um so what would happen is if we had any um, casualties coming in, if there was time for them to go to theatre, if it depended on how many casualties, obviously they'd be triaged. So um, they'd go through the A&E. You've got to imagine it was a tent. So there was a big long spine of this tent. And then uh, uh, from, so as you walk in, that was the A&E. And then along the spine, you had theatres on one side, you'd have... Um, like cleaning of equipment on the other side then you come down a bit more then you'd have the wards and then you know there was different cells coming off the, the spine of the hospital so um basically we'd have recovery as well so um whoever what whoever was triaged as it's most needing any um surgery they would go to theater first and then we would keep like anybody that wasn't quite as urgent so we'd have, um, I mean, the, you probably have someone with shrapnel in their leg, like you're talking about your uncle, but mm. not someone who'd had their leg kind of blown off because um, they would have been in, in theatres. So we wouldn't have tended to see them because then what would happen, they'd go to recovery. And then from recovery, they'd get casivat by the REF to either Kandahar, where they had a bigger purpose-built hospital or... Um, Kabul, I think, or even Birmingham, and um, they'd fly back to Birmingham and be treated there, so they'd get stabilised. So we were really like, we'd have a lot of the Afghan nationals who'd had surgery, maybe. So like on a ward, post-op kind of surgery and um, care. 
is what yeah. we'd get IV antibiotics and just monitoring them really and I presume you felt like you were doing good this was a good you felt like you were contributing or was it sim well, yeah. yeah some days yeah so for the soldiers our soldiers definitely obviously um for the uh, Afghan nationals not always um the Why kids were really hard um really hard because um they aren't westernized you know they live in a desert in you know they're not a house it was either a, a, like a what would you call them a shack or a you know a mud house kind of thing mm. um they there was no sanitation <laughs> i remember taking i think she was about three or four and i remember you know they don't have nappies and things like that um so we had to be really careful what we introduced them to. And I remember taking one of the little girls to the toilet and um, I, I helped her, I sat her on the toilet and she went and then I flushed the chain um, and I've never seen a child so scared in all my yeah. life. Wow. She literally was like that noise. She, she, I mean, whether she'd had, I don't, I can't really remember her experience or how traumatic it was, but just petrified of a flushing toilet which we all take for granted, don't we, day in, mm. day out. So, yeah, don't. sometimes I think, you know, they loved it. They loved being on the ward and, you know, they we had loads of things sent to us to entertain them, colouring books and things that, you know, they'd never have seen before. Was this from the UK? Yeah, just charities or, you know, family, because we didn't really realise, I don't think, we'd have so many kids on the ward. I don't think it, we were... We had one paediatric nurse out with us who was TA and that was it. Um, you know, and he even, and I think even over time, it became much more apparent that we'd need more like paediatric kind of care. Um, Were these kids with injuries or would it be? Yeah. So like yeah. From, from fighting? Yeah. They got caught up yeah. in it. Yeah. One little boy we had, he had, I think it must have been the gunshot wound to his leg. And they he was in like a massive metal halo, like to try and fix his leg and crutches and everything. He was with us for a long time. We had like babies that were with us for like, how old were they? Like toddlers, what one, two year olds. Yeah, we had and quite. It, and it never, you never, you you were always sort of philosophical. You could always, just get through the day and wake up and do it again. It would never, uh, yeah. no, but you know, you, I guess when you're young, you're resilient, aren't you? Really resilient. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'd, I'd totally think differently now to what I would, um, to what I did, sorry, what I did when I was that age. Definitely. What, no two um, ways about it. When you said you've got to be careful what you expose the kids to, is it because... Yeah. You don't want them, what is it, you don't want to give them too much because they have to go back to normality? Or Yeah, pretty much, yeah, it was, that was it. They had to go back to living at home and, and with their parents and and everything. So, yeah, so I remember. So spoil them, essentially. <laughs> was, yeah, one little boy, he used to get, like, nightmares. Not quite nightmares, but he used to talk a lot in his sleep. And do you know what he used to talk about? Crisps and chocolate. He just dreamt about, because obviously we would feed them but we fed them from our cookhouse or our food that we eat yeah and then part of that was like they'd have a packet of crisps at lunch and 
and things like that and they dream it. it yeah he'd shout about these crisps and chocolate it's hilarious but yeah we just had to be really careful because they were going back to to that kind of life you know that they weren't going to have things like that and yeah that, i just remember that really yeah um how long was you on that working in afghanistan for six months so i did april um and then in the January, I got two weeks off. They call it R and R, and then um, I went back and did three months. And I had my twenty-first birthday out there, and How came back celebrate? in the April. Yeah, we did. Yeah, I remember we did. Did you have alcohol out there? Um, we yeah. worked. So yeah, we did have. Um, they call it the two cam rule. So we had. Um, I think I remember um, Kaiser Chiefs. They came out and did um, like a show for us. Um, Catherine Jenkins came out and sang. So, like, when there was things like that, we were allowed two cans. Two cans of beer? Yeah, two cans of beer. <laughs> or cider. I think you could choose cider instead. How do they... Um, they just ration it, or do you... How yeah, do you... they... I think you got... You either got given the two cans, or you got, like, tickets. So, like, your, your command above will give you, like, the tickets, and then you'd cash them in kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um... So you're in the middle of Afghanistan, you're seeing these, what I mean, what most people would consider to be horrendous things, you know, kids with injuries, gunshot wounds, mm. as you said, the, the kid who needed a halo, so that means his leg was significantly damaged. Yeah. You're seeing soldiers coming in, dealing with what they're seeing out there. You've got a Taliban or or, or an Afghan national who's managed to smuggle or, or find a gun in, like, that's a lot, right? Um, yeah. But in, in the middle of all that, you managed to fall in love as well. I did, yeah. <laughs> How did that happen? Who falls in love in Afghanistan? I know it is crazy, but um, I well, when before we went to Afghanistan, I went on pre pre deployment training to um, York, and I saw this um, this marine. Like I'd never known marines; I didn't know what they were, but I just saw him and I thought, "Oh my god, he looks like Jason Statham," <laughs> and um, and that was it. I didn't like. We kind of didn't I don't remember talking to him nothing and then um but I kind of I don't know he must have remembered me and I remembered him but I was in the gym I think I just got out there a couple of weeks before him and I was on the bike um in the gym and I had my I think I had like a um iPod is that what they were called you know with the music yeah, on at the time back in the day. I had, yeah I had one, one of them and my music on and the headphones on and he came in and he waved and I was like, I'd already probably gone bright red from yeah. working out and also seeing him. And I thought, who's he waving at? So I just ignored him. Anyway, <laughs> he walked out and I looked behind me thinking that like, he waved someone and nobody was behind me. He was literally waving to me and I totally mugged him off. I yeah, you had mugged like, him off. <laughs> yeah, totally. So then I felt, well, that was it. I was beside myself and I was like, God, I need, next time I see him, I'm going to have to apologise. So... Um, I did see him and as I said I'm really really sorry I didn't realise you're waving at me um, like why don't you come and help and, and this it's mortifying every time I say it but I was like why don't you come and help me clean my weapon because <laughs> obviously being in the sandy desert we yeah. had to clean our weapons quite a lot and I was rubbish like that was the worst oh you thing. did need you, you genuinely needed help with your weapon Gen like genuinely <laughs> needed help I mean it was a bit cheesy and now yeah. looking back i was like oh i like that yeah I, I i know what you're like why, i've got really like 30 
guy. Yeah. And uh, do you, I'm, I know what you're going to enjoy. You're going to enjoy coming and help me clean it. Okay. It <laughs> Let works, me make this up to you. It yeah, it works. Yeah. So he, um, he can't. So we just met in the nappy, um, which was the nappy is like your place of where you hang out really, and you get um, like it's a shop, and they sell cans of pop and crisps and chocolate. Mm. It was always running out of stuff. Um, but yeah, sometimes it'd be good and you could just sit on benches outside and catch up with people. And, and for the lads that have been like in the, like the different places, it was nice for them to have a bit of normality. But yeah, he was pretty much on the, um, in camp with me all the time, but he did, like he did have to go out as well. So so you started um, the relationship there, would you say? And like, um, you, I was, you... ca- yeah, like I was always, if I, if I'm saying how long we've been together, I was counted from October 2004. Um, and him being a Marine, I know yeah. you, you mentioned him being like quite private, so I don't want to go into too much detail, but that, but him being a Marine would mean that he would probably be involved in the more challenging missions for the, for the soldiers. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, so the Marine, would... what level is the Marine at? Is it... You mentioned on the phone, it's like one below sort of special forces. Yeah, SAS and... it's like your elite kind of in- infantry and that's not taking anything away from like infantry soldiers, but it is like a an elite club <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. And the training is like really hard and yeah, it's, it's, um, it's very difficult. And yeah, he did have to go out. He'd been to Iraq actually before. So he'd done a bit, but it was certainly different, I think. But any time we could get together, um, you know, just catching up. There was also like what they called a welfare tent. So um, they would have like board games in there and um, a telly, but you couldn't watch telly. It was all DVDs. So they'd have like DVDs to watch and stuff. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, we just used to meet in there or, yeah. So we just, but it was, do you know what? It's lovely because we got, it was, we just got to know each other for like three months. So it was yeah. just talking and we really knew everything about each other. And then um, on my R&R, so in, in the January, um, he finished his tour and he'd got home, we timed it. So he got his time off at pretty much the same time. So we managed to have a bit of normality in between it all, which was lovely. You were allowed to have a relationship in the army with other uh, Yeah, yeah, you can have a relationship, but you can't be, they call it fraternising. So you can't be fraternising, um, like, in, in public. public. And we certainly didn't. Like, it was nothing seedy or we weren't, like, sneaking off uh, snogs or anything like that. It was really quite um, quite sweet, really, when I look back. Um, yeah. Yeah. It yeah, was just sounds... genuinely just getting to know each other and... And we knew everything, I suppose, about each other by the time we'd, you know, managed to have private time away from it all. Was it part of your, um, the fact that you was in a relationship and you could see a future together that you thought maybe you'd need to leave the army? Or was that part of your reason? Yeah, so I got back in the, when did I get back? The April. And yeah, definitely the relationship was a big key factor because I was based in Aldershot still with the view of getting posted, I think, to somewhere else, which could have been like North Allerton, it could have been Birmingham. Yeah. So one of us had to give. And by this point, because I hadn't done it, I wasn't a trained nurse. Um, I was like, I'm just going to apply for universities now. And um, 
I do my nurse training, like I'm ready. I couldn't do it through the army because um, I'd already done four years, four and a half years. And if I'd, I was a Lance Corporal, so I'd got a rank. And um, if I'd gone to do my nurse training, I would have been uh, a Lance Corporal doing three years nurse training. Then once I'd qualified, I'd only have gone up to Corporal. And then you're time barred for three years. It's something to do with the pay, I think. So then you're time barred. And it was just time. That would have been like, what, six, 10 years, 11 years of a corporal. And by that point, you want to be, you know, sergeant. It's all about the pay, really. Right. Well. It's, that's what I was, was going to say. Who cares if whether you're in a corporate or a lance corporal or what, what does it matter? Yeah. Like, you mentioned it's, it's the yeah, pay system scale. Yeah, it's like bands in the NHS, right? Yeah, that's it, yeah. Um. <clears throat> You said something interesting the other day when we spoke that um, that you had to be a senior or have a rank above the soldiers you were treating. Is that correct? Yeah. So w- with nursing, that's the reason you get given. My understanding of it was that you get given um, the corporal because you have to like if you're te- if you're treating patients, they're they're gonna. I mean, you could be treating a sergeant. Yeah. But you're still only, which is one above like a corporal, but you've still got a rank. So when you're telling someone you must take your tablets or you you must do your exercises, yeah, you they that's why they give you that. You pass out basically from your nurse training as a corporal. So you follow so, rank, that's the way. Yeah, then you just, so then you're time barred for three years, but then you could get sergeant quite quickly or staff sergeant, you know, then there's no stopping you really, you could go on. Um, as a nurse a staff surgeon as a nurse yeah like warrant they were the scariest they were like (laughs) you don't mess with them at all you literally these are like like uh um what do you call them in in normal hospitals on wards matrons yeah is it like that yeah i'd say they were like they um i would say they were definitely you just didn't mess with them like what they they were old school like really old school what you know, they what they didn't know wasn't worth knowing. They were really mm. um, like in terms of military. You've got to remember, most of them would have, because it wasn't too um, long before I joined that they'd shut down all the military hospitals. So a lot of them would have like worked in the military hospitals, and it must have been really hard for them, like yeah. integrating with the civvies and the NHS. And but um, yeah, no, it was it was great. I yeah, I loved it. I absolutely loved. Um, every part of it and I always say it was the best thing I ever did joining but for me at that time it was the best thing I ever did was leaving as well because mm. I'm now a qualified nurse and yeah it's good great. well this has been fascinating I know you was worried about it not being like you were asking whether people would want to listen to it but I'm sure they will yeah. because it is it's really it is really interesting and you know these these podcasts I know Osbard podcast these interviews that we're doing is it's it's that everybody has an interesting story everybody has a story and um and uh, you know just getting through to, or finding a way to tell that is oft, often you know a very interesting thing for other people to listen so it's been really really fascinating for me and um and you're 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 still together with your husband you've got two lovely boys yeah we're still together we're not married which surprises everybody but we're Don't still not married, married. But, um but you know what? Yeah, we're just, we're happy as we are. And yeah, I suppose so for us now, it's cementing the, just the name, I suppose, for the boys. Mm. Um, 
but yeah and no, i was still together still really happy Fantastic. still have loads of fun so yeah and it's um did your did your sorry not husband he said then partner <laughs> did, did your partner um did you know how did he leave the army or did he did he remain in yeah, so he left. He um, once I put my notice in, because you, the thing is, once you put your notice in, you have to give a year's notice. Oh wow! So, yeah, it's not like four weeks or anything. Like you have. I to suppose because they they got a plan ahead, haven't they? If there's like wars, yeah. wars that are going to be fighting, they yeah. got like I just give my two week notice, I'm out of it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, I did my year's notice, and then I did I start uni. I think I was just starting uni as he was leaving. And, um, yeah, it was hard, really tough for him, I'd say. For me, it was really, the transition was really easy um, because I was 17 and when I joined and I was 22 when I left. But for him, he was 25 when he joined the Marines and 30, no, 29 when he left. So we only did four years. Um, but that transition was quite hard to From get army, back into uh, Yeah, army to normality. Yeah. To, to get back life. into civil life and that and I have to say that is probably so common for most people that leave the army or the marines or any forces is because yeah. you're so um it's a institutionalized yeah. like you, you like yeah. I said earlier if some if a rank tells you you have to do something you do it you know there's no there's no getting away from it and um so you kind of, it's hard to then carry that through and especially if you have been a rank or you've been that one, you know, it's it's hard, <coughs> definitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's, um, we're, yeah, happy. And um, again, I think he always says, once you're a Marine, you're always a Marine. And I totally get that. And um, I just hope my boys don't join, <laughs> which yeah. I know sounds awful. But I think well, my head, you know, we were saying earlier, weren't we, about how um, like I had no fear then. But yeah. I'm a mum now and I've got yeah. two boys and the thought of them joining, yeah, sends the fear of God into me really. But Yeah, and yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Because their dad being like essentially a real life Jason Statham is yeah. actually, he's going to, uh, you know, they're going to want to grow up to be like him. But, um, you know, well. It is. And it's... that is the thing that drives me insane because he'll go, um, like the boys especially, they'll go, yeah, my dad was in the Marines. And I'm like... And yeah, mum was in the army and they're like, they just forget about me all the time. They literally, they, it's just daddy was in the Marines. They mm. never highlight that um, I was in the army, which is quite interesting. Well, um, yeah, yeah, I guess it's the stuff you see on television, isn't it? It's like, yeah. it's, it's the uh, soldiers and... Just bypass me. I'm just a nurse now. Yeah. Was... <laughs> you just got to remind them every just now Just to have then. a boring lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, it's been fantastic talking to you. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks so much, Fab. Really appreciate it.